Welcome to the Church of Mavis Radio Show. It's Friday night, 7.09 p.m. Central. Putin hasn't nuked us yet. I just saw some posts about U.S. airplanes on high alert, like the nuclear ones, which I don't know how true that post was, but it may be true. I don't know. Like, I see certain things that before it's news, you don't know if it's true or not, unless you just put it Google and make sure it's coming up everywhere. <laughs> but I just saw something about that. Hopefully, it's not true. But uh, I know Mercury retrograde ended, right, ma'am? It's over. Good. It's been over for <clears throat> almost two weeks. Is, is Saturn over yet? Because that one's been a real B to me. Is Saturn over? Yes. I'm a Capricorn. So that one's been like whipping me to death, I think. Okay. But, what, uh, planet, what planets are in retrograde? This is a, a Google Googleable thing. Um, hold on. It was a bunch. Uh so let's see i think yeah saturn jupiter uranus pluto and neptune are still in retrograde i think hold on now pluto has gone direct pluto has gone direct so saturn goes direct on october 23rd which will be what next weekend october 23rd yeah next weekend and then jupiter will go um Direct in November, Neptune in December, Uranus in January. Even Uranus is doing craziness. But Saturn, uh, October 23rd, direct. Good. I hope that helps something. Well, and Venus was also in retrograde, and it's gone direct, too. So Okay. So. Well, uh, tonight's guest, Freighter Tenebris. Did I say that correctly? Freighter you Tenebris? You got okay. it. Exactly. Good. He is, he's the author of uh, The Philosophy of Dark Paganism, Wisdom and Magic to Cultivate the Self, another Llewellyn guest. And thanks to Llewellyn, we had uh, last week Jonathan Hunt about the trick-or-treat tarot. That was really good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, next week we have Steve Snyder. That is about uh, serial killers and making fun of QAnon stuff, Zodiac Killer. He's like does a lot of weird stuff. And then the, the, the last guest for the Halloween show, which all month is technically the Halloween season, try to do shows that align with that. And the 28th is uh, Denny Sargent, Werewolf Pack Magic, interview with a werewolf. <laughs> so looking forward to that. Wham, if you want to sit in, let me know. I'm for not, not going to be in town, not even going to have internet. So You're going oh. to a, a warlock ceremony. No, where are you going? Oh, I have to, it's, it's, I wish it was a vacation. It is not a vacation. It is, okay. it, it is an obligatory, an obligatory, um, um, journey that I have to make on behalf of my Sufi order. So okay, wow. I wish it was more fun. <laughs> you make a documentary for that or something. Nah. <laughs> All right. Well, Freighter, uh, the philosophy of dark paganism, wisdom and magic to cultivate the self. Tell us what you mean by dark paganism. Obviously, you're not on the Christian coalition writing something from the satanic panic <laughs> review. It's the opposite of that. So. <laughs> yep, I'm probably going to be on the hit list. But, uh, Rivera. <laughs> you know, um, well, you know, in the book, I define dark paganism 
as a, a positive, life-affirming, spiritual philosophy centered on honoring and cultivating the self. Um, you know, by you know, different people define dark paganism differently. It's kind of a term that's out there. I use uh, the term in the same fashion as a author, John J. Coughlin, who wrote a book, Out of the Shadows. And it's called Dark Paganism because he views spirituality as having two basic threads or patterns. One is external, which is the light path. That's the most common form of a, a religion or metaphysics, spirituality. And then there's an internal path. And that is uh, metaphorically referred to as dark. So this focuses on the defined self, the finding your own path. And it approaches the same questions, but it looks at it from a different angle as the, uh, the light path. We've done a lot of shows on paganism. I'm definitely no expert and like to learn about it. And uh, one thing I want to ask you before we get deeper into the book is, Tell us about this uh, freighter situation, F-R-A-T-R. I've had a, a freighter uh, UD on, Ralph. He's been on. I'm trying to understand it. So what, what does it mean? Well, it's Latin. Um, it's where we get the word fraternity from. Uh, and so you have a fraternity brother. So freighter is Latin or brother. And it's, um, it's fairly popular, especially on those who walk a darker path, sometimes left hand, but not always. Um, I want to say it originated primarily with, and I may be wrong, uh, Golden Dawn. And a lot of their members started using the phrase freighter or those who associated themselves with that. So you find a lot of freighters on a more of a darker path, sometimes ceremonial magicians will use the term freighter. And then they would tack on uh, whatever name, magical name is meaningful. I chose tenebrous, also a Latin word, which simply means darkness. So uh, it essentially translates as brother darkness or the dark brother. So we're friends with Don Webb, who's been on. He's even co-hosted with me. So definitely uh, f uh, familiar with left hand. And uh, But for our audience, okay, there's a left-hand path, and then there's a right-hand path. What could you tell us maybe a little bit for someone that's trying to understand it? And obviously, it's, it's not... Like I start going to this Lord of the Rings kind of thinking with it. And I know that's the wrong way to go probably with it. That's like the dark, the left-hand path. Ah. Well, but, Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, back to the dark side. It's becoming a Sith Lord all of a sudden. Yeah, we have a Sith Lord here tonight. And <laughs> I my horns in my ribs. I'm a Capricorn, so I'm afflicted with you know both sides. But <laughs> but what what could you tell someone that's you know what could you tell the Christian out there freaking the f out? No, I'm just kidding. right. <laughs> uh, well, there's a lot of controversy about left hand path, right hand path. 
some will come back and even in the pagan community they'll say oh no you don't want to follow the left-hand path that's evil um actually no uh if you really look at those that are part of the left-hand path it uh, very much follows what i defined earlier about dark paganism it focuses on self-enhancement uh, self-knowledge, uh, self-divination. Uh, I can't speak tonight, and that's not good. Uh, <laughs> deification, I'm so sorry. It happens. Deification. It you know, happens to me a lot, trust me. My teeth back in. Um, <laughs> and um, so the right-hand path, this is all leftovers from ancient times. When the right hand was good, left hand was bad, and it kind of got synonymous and moved around. There is a Hindu tradition that is that refers to right hand and left hand. Some on the left hand path try to make a connection there. I'm not quite sure, and I don't know if I really explained that very well. So let's go right to a very controversial uh, chapter, chapter 15, Dark Gods and Other Spirits. Ooh, yeah. For Halloween, of course, that's the first place we're going to go. But I, I deal with a lot of polarities because of the Church of Mabus name. And that name, Mabus, was from Nostradamus. And he never really says it means Antichrist, but hogue that john hogue dude made some documentary in the 80s and said that and then it caught on which maybe it did mean that no one really knows what nostradamus is my point and i kind of made it when i was younger and pissed off and a kind of a shock rock you know i just did it to upset people like an alice cooper kind of thing you know or something you know like a black sabbath kind of thing i kind of liken it to which i say it means maybe us which some people say it means Obama and Bush or Osama and Bush. I got a dude that's come on that comes on and he's broke down Trump to Trump, the German pronunciation, and he has this crazy chart that somehow turns it into Mabus, which maybe that's true. I don't know, but no one really knows what it means except the Quatrain, which I don't know if you're familiar with the Quatrain. The Mabus will soon die, a terrible undoing of people. The comet will run. But so my show's kind of like, you know, it was just done kind of foolishly, the title, really. <laughs> when I was younger, I was going to make a metal band named Mabus. But I came off the, the hard drugs and I probably would have OD'd if I did that and died in some, 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 some stage somewhere. <laughs> but, but luckily it turned into a show. And, yeah, I did it for Shock Rock. It was just kind of, you know, at that point, really, I think I did it just kind of piss people off. That's why I did it. So I understand, but when you get here, everyone knows I'm not sitting here worshiping the Antichrist. You know, I'm not doing that. I'm here to learn. I do. I've had experiences where I think there's a Christ consciousness of being mm -hmm. as Jesus. And I love, I grew up Christian, but I grew up uh, learning about other subjects. I love shamanism, the Native American I love Norse. I've had people on Evelyn Reisdyke and uh, all kinds of people on about that. I love it. So I love to learn. But my point is, is that kind of like the polarities, like with dark side of paganism? It's like you, once you get in, everybody's a teddy bear, right? <laughs> well, you know, yeah, there's a little bit. I mean, some of the nicest people I know 
are dark pagans uh, on the quote left-hand path. Uh, you asked about dark gods. Um, in my book, I talk a lot. I have a chapter, like you said, and I start out talking about, well, what do we mean by gods in the first place? What are we talking about? Are we talking about archetypes? Are we talking about uh, one or two gods and their multiple masks of gods? I take what's called a hard polytheist position. I think they're actual entities that you can have a real relationship with. So what is a dark god? A dark god tends to be one that's a little bit more uh, unpredictable, a little bit more wild than your quote-unquote light side god. Uh, Odin tends to be kind of a dark god. He's very unpredictable. Loki is a trickster god, obviously very unpredictable. Um, some gods you might think are dark side and really mighty, not very much. Lucifer is the morning star. He's the light bearer. Um, so even, well, you know, Kernanos, I think last time, Africa, I'm sorry. Kernanos. Am I saying that Kernanos. right? The horn god. Yeah, the horn god. That's a great example. Uh, he's a very positive, very light god. Uh, you know, he's a god of the wilderness and animals. Uh, but there's a wildness to him too. You got to watch out for that. Pan would have been a dark, would be a dark god, and a lot of his satanic imagery was just Pan, basically. Uh, but the wildness of Pan, and he was a dangerous god. Uh, so that kind of wildness—it's a very human thing to designate a god as being light. Or dark, um, and it's more a human issue than it is, I think, for them. Well, being a Capricorn, I'm familiar with Pan, definitely, <laughs> and I've studied up on him, and definitely a wild thing there, a weird thing for sure. <laughs> connection, no yeah. doubt about it. And uh, we were discussing last week uh, with Jonathan Hunt uh, the Devil card and tarot, and how everybody lumps that with Capricorn and Wham got into the history of that. That was pretty interesting too. Mm -hmm. how, and that symbol symbology and everything, you know, with the card and the, the devil and Saturn and everything like that. So when it comes to your personal practice, what dark gods do you hang out with? Well, my patron deity is a lot of pagans don't consider her dark, but I do, is Imana. Uh, Anana, Anana, okay, Anana, okay, I know, I've heard of her. I'm uh, known also as Ishtar to the Babylonians. Ishtar. Also known as Astarte, uh, Sybil, uh, Siduri. She goes by a lot, lot of names. She was worshipped for 2,000 years or more, actually probably more, um, but since the beginning of writing, some of the earliest writings was about Inanna. And one of her most famous myths, and this is where she gets a lot of the dark side, is the descent where she descended into hell or the underworld, died, and rose from the grave three days later. Sound familiar? Yes. Um, and this myth was around, has been recorded almost 3,000 years BCE. She's the uh, goddess of war, 
She's also the goddess of sex, not love, sex. Uh, goddess of fertility, sex, fertility, they go together. Yeah. And uh, goddess of wisdom, that she brought what was called the sacred maze to her people. That's my patron deity. Sumerian? Sumerian. They okay. part of the same culture as the Babylonians. Mesopotamia. Um, and you'll find references to her in the Christian book uh, text. She uses the revelations of the whore of Babylon. Really? I didn't know that. She's considered the whore of Babylon, Anana? Wow. Anana? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Among other things. Yeah, yeah. I was just agreeing with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, as she's also referenced in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew text as well, uh, as I think they changed the name a little bit, Ashtoth or something. In fact, the demon, Ashtoth, is based on her, whether it's her or a, a distortion of her. I don't know. I've worked with Ashtaroth before, and she prefers to respond to Ashtaroth, and others report that too. Um, I've worked with, and through her, I have connections with other deities, mostly Babylonian. I work with Baphomet. We talked about that last week, about Baphomet. Yes. So I work yes. With Baphomet. He, he listened up, he's been studying. Studying us. <laughs> you have a great <laughs> but, uh, show. What are you talking thank about? You. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, when it comes to Inanna, I can't, hopefully, I don't quit messing her name up. Inanna. There you go, man. I don't yeah. want her to come and get me. <laughs> but, but anyway, it's, there's, a, <laughs> yeah, there's a feminine Christ story there. I've heard of that. I know there's a, I've seen some weird reptilian alien books about her that tie in weird reptilian stuff. I never read them, but I've seen that kind of stuff, like weird yeah. light worker stuff or something. But can you tell us a bit about the history of her? Did she go through a crucifixion kind of thing that, I mean, they did, I mean, they persecuted her or something and then she went to the, or well, how did there's a lot of controversy among scholars as to why she made her descent. Uh, the official wording in the myth is she did it because in a previous myth, she had sent what was called the bull of heaven as a revenge against the demigod Gilgamesh and the bull lost and died. Well, in Sumerian mythology, the bull of heaven was the husband of the queen of the underworld, her twin sister which I'm going to butcher the name myself, Erishkigel, I think I said it right. So the official myth says, or actually there's multiple myths, depending on which variant you read, she went into voluntarily, she got all dressed up in her armor and her jewelry and everything, and she told her aide, if I don't make it back, because nobody comes back from the underworld, if I don't make it back, you go and get help for me. So she set this up that this may be a one-way trip and you need to get some help for me if I don't make it. So she sets off for the underworld, bangs on the door of the underworld, and is eventually let in. 
and through each gate, seven gates, she has to remove a piece of clothing. Every piece, now she becomes more and more vulnerable, more and more exposed. So finally, she reaches the underworld. She's totally nude and essentially helpless. And she confronts her sister, and her sister confronts her as to, why are you here? You know, nobody's supposed to come down here. And she gets up and stands up and confronts her. Inanna walks up and brazenly sits down on the throne of the underworld so as to claim it. And as a result, she's judged and she's killed by the judgment and hung on a stake. For, and she hangs there for three days. During this time, her assistant is going from God to God in the pantheon saying, Inanna needs help. You know, she ain't made it back. She told me to get you. And they keep, they keep turning her down. Basically, hey, Inanna shouldn't have done it in the first place. That was a dumb stunt. And finally, one God says, okay, okay, I'll help. And he creates these androgynous beings who get the water of life. They fly down to the underworld. They say, And they find her sister pregnant, but she can't give birth. And it turns out nobody on earth can give birth. None of the animals. All the plants are dying. Because remember, Inanna is the goddess of fertility. Wow. And she's dead. So she says, do whatever, just get rid of this body. So they go over, they give Inanna the water of life. She comes back to life. And right before she leaves, they say, oh, wait a minute. Uh, somebody goes, somebody has to take your place. So up, out of, out she goes, getting all her armor and everything back on at every gate. And she goes back up to the, you could call it the Sumerian or Babylonian heaven. Eventually, she finds her husband, the Muzi, partying underneath the tree. And she says, take him. So two demons grab the Muzi and drag him to the underworld. So six months of the year, he's out. Six months of the year. He's in, and that's the reason we have summer and winter. Wow, that's a trip. <laughs> I know that was long. <laughs> I liked it. That was good. Like that. <laughs> no, you're good. That was great hearing that story. So where are you getting these stories? Is it Sumerian mythology? Is there a certain reference that maybe that you, you got them? I mean, I've, I've heard parts of them, but you definitely got great detail with them. I mean, where did you learn most of it? Well, uh, lots of reading. Uh, there are a variety of very good books, one by the name of, uh, let me see, I am drawing a blank. Find the author's name is Kramer. He's one of the most um, renowned scholars on her. These come from ancient, uh, these come from ancient, ancient, some of the earliest writings yeah noah kramer samuel noah kramer samuel noah kramer yes ma'am yes samuel and walkenstein yes uh, probably the best source that i have is 
a book, Inanna, Queen of Heaven and Earth, her stories and hymns from, from summer. Wow. And, uh, you know, you can get it on Lord Amazon. And who's and, that by? The guy y'all just said, what's his name again? Sa Samuel Noah Kramer. Samuel yeah. Noah Kramer. And uh, co-wrote with Diane Walkenstein. Wow. Uh, Sounds it's been out for a long time. Another good one is Inanna, Lady of the Largest Heart, Poems of the Sumerian High Priestess. And that's by Betty the Song Meter and Judy Graham. That was the first poet named ever published that was uh, connected her name to the poems in a duana was the source of that material. She, uh, Anna Dewana was a poet in summer. That's eruption, eruptions, eruptions of Anana, justice, gender, and erotic power. That's, that's Judy Grand. Yeah. There's lots of stuff, lots of garbage out there, but there's a lot of good stuff. I've saved pictures of them so I can look it up later, but yeah, it's just fascinating hearing those stories in such detail. Like I, I didn't, I've never heard all that, but I mean, I've heard things about her going to the underworld, but not the detail was alluring for sure. So Marduk and Tiamat, that's Babylonian, isn't it? Or Samaria. Yes, sir. Babylonian. Right. Babylonian. I'm familiar with all that weird stuff from the Necronomicon course well which, that's that's a pretty it's a pretty surface rendering in the neck yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've had peter lavenda peter well, lavenda well whoever peter lavenda slash whoever simon was slash yeah it's oh creep, creepy yeah. little book yeah um, and uh well, uh, I have this weird tarot, too, with Donald Tyson of Necronomicon that I'm scared to use. It's kind of creepy, but it's neat. It's, like, really dark <laughs> and creepy. That's how I kind of, uh, the Church of Mavis name, I kind of compare it to Bruce Campbell in that book. Like, <laughs> that's just messing with things you shouldn't. There's so many different ways to look at it. But uh, uh, was there any Lilith-Anana connection, or is that just two separate things? Or Lilith does. See, there's always a there's a connection between the Sumerians and all the Semitic people, which includes the Hebrews. Uh, he, the Hebrews uh, are some of the last surviving Semitic cultures. But there was a time when Semitic cultures stretched all across what we today call Iraq and Iran and Turkey, uh, the, uh, the Levant area. Israel, Palestine, uh, they stretched all over there and had one of the largest, greatest empires. Uh, and how that ties into Lilith is that Lilith is a Sumerian demon called a Lilithu. And Lilith is ties into that. Because remember, they're of the same culture. So there's a Babylonian flood myth, just like there's a Hebrew flood and Lilith was based on the Lilithu, the Sumerian demon. There's, a, there's some dark pagans and those on the left-hand path that uh, uh, are followers of Lilith. She's mm. big. She has a pop culture following too, like the, you know, uh, yeah, has a, a lot. feminism. But there's a strong... Uh, 
following, especially in left-hand path, uh, individuals of uh, Lilith. Um, these tend to be like, uh, I don't know, you know, some of them will say this, and this that's a broad, broad term, um, but not all, not all. So who else of these dark gods are you talking to? What is Hades? Hades. Uh, Hades. <laughs> Hades himself uh, is Hail, uh, the Norse goddess of the underworld. There are some that work with Air Scroll that I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, my patron deity is Inanna, and she will sometimes, I guess you could say, hook me up, connect me up with other Babylonian or Sumerian deities for a variety of purposes as needed. Uh, I work with I work with Dragon a lot. You mentioned Tiamat a moment ago. Uh, that's of course what the Babylonian dragon, primordial dragon, sea dragon. Um, I mentioned that. that, it, is, that is that Leviathan or is that something different? Is that Leviathan? They're related. They, you know, the Sumerian, the Mesopotamian people spread out so far and the variety of cultures. So they all have different names. And like I said, Inanna had, I listed off like three or four. And I think there was some I left off. Uh, Tiamat, and I think Leviathan, I may be wrong, but I think they're generally considered the same. It's definitely fascinating. I know once I was tripping balls and I felt like there was a dragon and I was in its hand and I felt oh. like a doll and it was kind of like a weird vampire kind of experience oh, back really? in the day. And uh, there was weird things with the moon and things like that. So I definitely think there's something to dragon energies. And I love King Arthur and Merlin stuff. Like we have, we've had guests on about that. And I have those, you know, oracles and tarots and books and all that stuff. Like I love all that stuff. Uh, of course, Excalibur, the movie. I love that. I could watch oh, that right now. Movie. Watch that right now. Right, <laughs> For the I 40th love time. <laughs> but I love that movie. <laughs> It's so fascinating. John Borman did it, you know, he did deliverance and all this other stuff. And it's just kind of like, you know, I love it. And the soundtrack's really good for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So beautiful soundtrack. Uh, but uh, definitely. So, I mean, how do you do a lot of this stuff? Do you draw a, like the stereotypical symbol on the floor within a, a hood with candles? <laughs> I mean, you have an altar. Well, you're pretty close on all of that. Uh, I have several altars. I have one dedicated to Inanna exclusively, uh, and I only use it for uh, offerings and prayers and discussions with her, and that is exclusively hers. I have a room dedicated for all of this, by the way. Um, I have another altar. And that's where I do a lot of my magical work. Uh, that's where I work with the demon. That's where, and that's, well, the demon I tend to work with on the floor. I need a lot of room for that because I've got to make a circle. I have to have an altar in the circle. I use a Luciferian system established by uh, the sorcerer Jason Miller for that. 
Um, I've had on, him on a long time ago. Yeah. Say again? I've had him on a, lo- a while back. He's great. Yes. He's great. In uh, his most recent book, Conjuring Spirits, I think it's called, is an excellent, excellent book. Um, and if you want to get involved in working with demons, that's the book to get. Uh, <laughs> or any spirit, really. Why uh, do I always have a Christian reaction to this, no matter what I do? I'm like, when I get involved it, with demons, what? It took me a while. I'm that. Yeah, see, I was raised in a toxic fundamentalist household as a child. Yeah. And I think that drove me to looking into alternatives to magic. And then, um, so I was practicing. Man, I had my uh, satanic Bible. <laughs> I had my, you know, little altar that I would sneak up and put, you know, set up when my parents weren't around. And, um, so I was into all that as a teenager. Then I don't know, you know, went off to college, you know, met my first wife who was a Christian and kind of got away from it for, you know, for years. And then finally it was like, I can't fake it anymore. I can't do it anymore. And I went back to paganism. And um, so, you know, that's my life story i'm sticking to it uh for for that on the um but like i said you know for demon work i need a lot of space whereas if i'm going to work with the dragon or i'm going to work with baphomet i'm going to do energy work i do a lot of energy work um some divination i use another altar and that one's a lot more darker and grittier um so and i know some people that have well i also have another altar in other parts of the house to shinto gods japanese shinto gods i practice that uh so it's very common for pagans to have multiple altars in their houses some will set up altars to ancestors um some for very specific purposes, some for temporary work. I have primarily these three, one for Nana, one for my magic, one for Shinto rituals. And well, like I said, I have to use a lot of space when I'm working with demons. I had another experience once on Halloween night a long time ago on uh, some psychedelics. And uh, I saw some reptilian type beings that they reminded me of Mayan gods because I have this oracle set that's like these wood glyphs and the pictures for some reason kind of reminded me of what I saw. But one was kind of like a hydra Hmm. one was humanoid and weird and they were not physical. They were like a hologram or something like that. Like they were in another realm, no doubt about it. And my first reaction was I was at a lake. Now, we were there with some friends. My brother saw weird red eyes in the woods. I saw all this stuff when I went off away from them. And anyway, my first thought when I saw it was, oh, my God, it's the devil. It's fallen angels. And I was terrified. But then I felt like positivity from them, like love. And you should, you know, write 
and sing and dance. It was like they were Deepak Chopra or something, you know, with a self-help message. And I'm like, yeah, I'm really tripping balls here, man. Whoa. I've had a lot of experiences under, you know, the influence, and I've had experiences when I've been completely on nothing. Right. Uh, another one of my big experiences, completely sober, I had the some Bible DVD on the television set for some reason. Something in my head, it was just going through the Bible, like you know, all this stuff on a, you know, with a river or something on a DVD or something. Something goes, go outside and look towards your house. And I said, okay. So I went outside and I was completely sober. I don't even think nicotine. And I saw two shining beams of light leave my house as if they had been inside the house and flew out through the roof into the heavens, into space. And completely sober. And I wish I would have got it on video. Or I didn't have a phone. I barely even used a cell phone back then. But uh, it took me years to get a cell phone. I had someone draw it. Graham Ganson drew it once. It was pretty cool. But it was like just two people made of light. Like they had been in the house and left. And maybe they were angels. Maybe they were deceased loved ones. Maybe they were aliens. I don't know. But I've had, you know, different experiences in different states of consciousness and uh so the That's dragon cool. thing's very 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 interesting there's something to it another thing that i love vlad the impaler and dracula that's that dragon energy we've had people on about that right and uh there's something there for sure i mean the guy's name you know son of the dragon or son of the devil or whatever right but uh well i guess when it comes to these experiences of messing with these forces, have you had any paranormal experiences or, I mean, what's the weirdest stuff that you, I mean, what, oh. what's happened messing with this stuff? Oh yeah. I have had a, a lot of different experiences. Not always when I'm working uh, magic intentionally. Uh, I, I was goldie oldies. I, I have my goldie oldies. Let's hear a couple of your goldie oldies. Some my goldie oldies. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, Years ago, my wife, my wife at the time and I went to Jefferson, Texas, which uh, you may not know is known as the most haunted town in Texas. And in fact, they have a whole cottage industry. It's just walking, taking people around to show them all the haunted sites. Uh, but we were staying at the Jefferson Hotel and it was like about, you know, late at night. I'm not going to say midnight, but I'm just going to say late at night laying in bed, trying to get some sleep. And I hear kids running up and down the hall. One trips and falls and starts to cry. Then you can tell gets up and runs off. And I think, oh man, that's what we don't need is children running around keeping us awake at night. Okay. So then I, you know, we come back from the vacation and we, I get looking up Jefferson because I knew it had a reputation. And what did I find? I found that, oh, at the Jefferson Hotel, there's some, there's some child ghosts who you may hear running up and down the hall in the middle of the night, and you'll hear one fall, fall and cry out. Makes my skin crawl just telling you about this. I get goosebumps just talking about it. Because it's like, I didn't know anything about this story. So I couldn't have dreamed it. But I experienced it. Um, I have ghosts that live in my house. I see them sometimes. Um, there's one that smokes. And my my current wife, 
we're sitting here, we're watching TV, and she'll say, he's smoking again. And you can smell the tobacco. And it appears in different parts of the house. And I know one of the previous owners was a chain smoker. When I bought this house, I found a pile of cigarette butts out in the back of the house. And the neighbor said, yeah, he liked to smoke. He smoked like a smokestack. Smoking ghosts. He was, yeah. And he goes, <laughs> hangs out and he, he it, smokes and keeps it's, it covered. It's and, fascinating when you think about that because I know I've heard different stories of people smelling, you know, tobacco with ghosts. And you have to say, well, is it a psychic phenomenon that's repeating from their energy in the past when they were there or is this person really dead and somehow he really has cigarettes in the afterlife <laughs> right Makes <laughs> afterlife <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you're right it is a wild thing uh, and I can tell you other stories I've seen shadow men here uh, I don't really read for those reader listeners that don't know uh, the shadow man ph uh, phenomenon You'll be maybe just sitting down or you'll be walking and you'll see this shadowy figure out the corner of your eye. And then you'll look and they're not there. And this is a wide tail phenomenon. Lots and lots of theories. You probably had somebody even talked about them on your show. Um, what that is, who knows? It's a mystery. But I know I have at least one in my house because I've seen them. Um, that kind of stuff, you know. I've had I have a poltergeist, but it's a playful one. That poltergeist likes to hide my phone. I'll put my phone where I always put it at night, and I'll wake up and I I can't find it. And I had my wife okay call it honey because you know I lose stuff anyway. She calls it. And it's been slid underneath the blankets of the bed, way back at the foot of the bed. And that happened several months in a row. I, and then it's, it's one stopped. of those things. So, yeah, it's a crowded house. I like it that way. Never get lonely. <laughs> That's the best way. Oh, I'm someone that's had seen, you know, some different beings. One of my weirdest ones was some cloaked beings standing in the woods uh, near a black box. And they were small and hooded and thin. Couldn't mm. see their faces, but a friend saw them with me. And we a cat jumped towards them and they vanished. And I oh, still, wow. and at that time I'd been reading stuff about the Celtic other world and stuff like that. So maybe, you know, I always wonder what that little black box was. Was it the Hellraiser box or, you mm. know. So the dwarfs from Phantasm come to get me. But <laughs> so with all these forces, this, what do you do to protect yourself? I mean, what, do you, what precautions? Well, when I do a ritual, um, not when I'm speaking to Adana, I don't need protection when I'm at her altar. She is my protection. Uh, when I'm working with demons, I have... Uh, and you'll find this in Miller's book, I have an alliance with Lucifer, which, by the way, was a Roman god. You know, uh, this is not really even mentioned in the Hebrew text. That was a, that's just a Latin word for the morning star. Um, when I'm working magic at my other altar, yeah, I do the traditional circle, 
with calling the four the watchtowers. Uh, you asked if I wear a robe with a hood. Yes, I do. Um, but that's as much for constraining my power and keeping it from going outside the circle. I'm not that worried about something coming in. I'm, I guess I feel pretty confident with what I'm doing. And I know how to cleanse my house. Um, variety of incenses, energy work, um, and there's a variety of other tools I use to, and I have some wards put up. For people that don't know, a ward can be any number of things. It can be a blessed or cleansed object who's charged with protecting you. And I keep wards up around the house. Think of it as a metaphysical security system. So, yeah, but I don't worry too much about protection. Any That's a lot of... Oh, are you, you know, if you're on the left, you don't have to worry about it anymore. You're a Sith Lord, so you're the dark. Why would the dark side? It's not going to mess with you anymore. Me, I'm like on the kind of on the light side, and the dark side's trying to get me. And then you know, all those things are messing with me all the time. <laughs> they stop messing the, with you once you just surrender. That's right. <laughs> well, working with the demon is, you know, I, there's a one ceremonial magician, he said, Working with demons is kind of like going down to the seedy side of town, going into a biker bar, and hiring a couple of hell's angels to do your yard work. Um, you don't want to hang out with them, okay? You don't want to become buddies with these hell's angels. You want to pay them and send them on their way. Uh what we call demons, uh, the ancients called subliminal, uh, sublunar beings, I'm sorry, sublunar beings. They're earthy, wilder, uh, less constrained. They can get a little hairy, and you do have to trust your instinct. And if what you start to invoke, if your instinct says, this, this ain't safe, this ain't safe. It's best to send it back on its way, cleanse your your room and maybe your whole house, maybe ritually cleanse yourself, uh, and there's some banishing rituals you can do if you think you've bit off a little more than you could chew. But most of what that those are stories that would drummed up in these grimoires uh, about the, how dangerous, and you got, you know, you got to protect yourself. Only if you go in looking for a fight, usually, that's the issue. You go in saying, I'm going to be, you're going to be my slave, demon, and I'm going to make you do what I want you to do. Well, how would you respond? You know, if somebody approached you with that kind of attitude. Uh, so yeah, you're going to get some pushback. But if you go in there respectful, but firm, confident, and with some strong allies on your side, 
and no, doing your research as to what demon you're working with, how risky is this demon? It's chances are it's not going to be bad. Would I recommend a somebody that's has no real experience to go from zero to demonology overnight? No, no. You need to be working with some safer entities. Get to know your your guardian. Uh, what? Alistair Crowley called your holy guardian angel. Uh, get them on your side. Get a relationship with a god. Um, practice your rituals. Learn how to banish and learn a variety of rituals long before you ever think about, you know, read up on them, but long before you make your circle and try to invoke something. Have you ever had any UFO kind of stuff, like, or seen something in the sky that may have related to any of this type stuff? Never been lucky enough for that. Man, I've always been intrigued by UFOs. As a kid, I just ate that stuff up. I would buy these UFO magazines, you know. Yeah. I'd read up how UFOs with crystals brought Bigfoot out into the woods, you know. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I read that kind of stuff, and and I thought I ate that stuff up. So no, I would love. Was it UFO that. magazine? Is that the name of it? Was that another one of UFO? William Burns and I've have interviewed him, but they don't have the magazine anymore. But he yeah. used to be on the UFO Hunters, a show yeah. on History Channel. He wore a hat and glasses, but I've interviewed him a million yeah. years ago. But uh, Wham, anything you'd like to add or ask? Well, <laughs> um, I mean, I think that the whole question about or the whole sort of issue around what dark magic is or a dark path is, is interesting because, um, you know, there's there's a there's there is the pagan definition of that. And then there are ceremonial magical definitions of that and then there are tantric definitions of that and so when i tend to think of it i tend to think of it as paths that are more oriented towards and i and your textbooks your text seems to indicate this to some degree um paths that are more oriented towards um you developing yourself as a person individually rather than as necessarily part of a larger community. Um, and not to say that you're that a person who is on, doing dark magic or on the left-hand path or whatever isn't in a community, because oftentimes they are. You know, if you think about, like, the, you know, the Rouge Dragon or, or the Temple of Set, obviously these people are in community, you know, working on themselves. But... Um, you know, I, when I think of, because because when I, you know, I'm very I'm very much a left hand path person, and even as a Sufi, uh, people don't think of Sufism as being left hand path, but there are types of Sufism that are, and part of what, to me, being of the left hand path is, is um, the word is antinomian. In other words, you you don't you don't automatically just accept any other anybody else's 
theory or anybody else's system just because it exists. Uh, you might practice in it for a while in order to find out about it. But in the end, you're kind of going to go your own way with it. Mm -hmm. you know? And um, and you're and you're doing that for specific ends. You're not doing that to be an asshole, although some people right. are assholes. But you're doing it because you're I, I mean, I have found that almost all um, left hand path um, dark magic people are um, very eclectic. You know, they sort of they, they, they take what's useful and they go on. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't even necessarily blend things like on my altar. I have, I have a particular deity form, a Hindu deity form that I'm very connected to. Who's very much a part of, of the left-hand path in Hinduism, the left-hand um, tantric path in Hinduism. Right. Um, but I have a number of other um, deity forms that are around, but I'm a Sufi, which means that, you know, ultimately I'm a panentheist. That, but there's no, but there, to me, there's no, there's no um, issue between panentheism and, and polytheism. Right. Uh, it's, it's a matter of semantics. It's a matter right. of what, what angle it is you're coming at something with. And so, um, you know, it's, but of course, people, all kinds of different people in different traditions would call me, <laughs> they'd call, I've been called a blasphemer all my life. Oh my. Yeah. 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 And, and I don't care. There you go. That's fantastic. Very interesting. Very intriguing. Everything you said. And, you know, you notice I do write about antinominalism. Right. In my book. And and I critique how some misuse it. You know, it's for some it's, well, I don't have to follow any laws. I'm going to purposely not. I saw one say, I'm going to intentionally just not mow my grass to show how anti-nominalist I am. You know, it's like, I don't think you quite get what this means. Um, so, yeah. It is very much about self-cultivation. That's why it's in the sub, you know, on my cover. Um, and that's really, I actually don't talk much, if you notice in the book, about magic. I don't talk really much of anything about demonology. Not in the book. I focus on self-cultivation. My nine principles of dark paganism is about self-cultivation. So uh, you're absolutely right. It is much more about that. Yeah, all this, you know, working with demons, working with dark gods, that's cool. But when it gets down to it, it's really about cultivating yourself. Not this self-help, self-improvement fad right now. No. That's going on. But actual, you know, discovering your true self, cultivating it, understanding it, being autonomous, um, and achieving something greater. That's what dark paganism is. That's the heart of dark paganism. Even if you don't, uh, even if you don't have an altar, even if you don't follow any gods, even if you don't practice magic. It's really more about cultivating 
itself. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all I have to say about it. <laughs> I mean, every, every, I mean, you know, every, everybody, you know, I guess what, what I like about, what I like about, um, for me, what I like about, um, the left-hand path or, or, or dark paganism, if you want to call it that, is that it encourages me to really look at myself and what I'm doing all the time. Right. I mean, it's, it, to me, it's really a path of, of self-responsibility more than anything else. Um, oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I can't fall back. It's not that I don't talk to deity forms or don't have conversations with folks. You know, I do. But I, I, in the end, it's it's really up to me and my decisions. And, um, and, and, I, and, I, and I very rarely, there have been a few times where I've gotten myself into some real pickles, but there's, it's very rare that I, that, I, that I depend on spiritual forces or deities to just bail me out. Sometimes I need advice, <laughs> like, well, this is more, I bit off way more than I can chew. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and if you're, if you, to me, if you're humble and you're, you're, and you, and you admit your mistake, I usually get help, you know? So I, it's like, yeah, you stupid humans again. And, or, you know, as, or as, as, as my deities put it up, oh, yep. Another primate trick. Good for you. You know, <laughs> that's great. You know? That's right. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, um, it's uh, ter in terms of UF, I mean, Jeff knows what I'm into in terms of, of paranormal stuff. So, you know, he and I have had some of the most whacked out experiences <laughs> that I can imagine, you know. So what that means, I have no idea. Mm. I have no idea. Uh, you know, I don't. I, I've talked to some people to people about my experiences, and they're like, "Oh, wow, you've had all those experiences." And like to me, it just means I'm a stubborn so and so and need bonks over the head over the, all the time. It's not, it's not really that. I mean, Jeff knows that some of these experiences scare the crap right out of you. Oh yeah, they they're not necessarily fun, uh -uh. Uh, and and, and it's certainly a lot of them aren't things I would seek out. So, you know. Yeah, that's you know. When I first encountered, you know, I told it I work with, uh, I call a dragon, a specific dragon. And when I first encountered it, I didn't know what I was encountering. And it was coming up from behind me. And I was like, keep back, stay back. And then my wife, who has, uh, you know, some abilities, she said, you know, I don't think you should fight this. I went, okay. And I didn't fight it the next time when it approached. And it was a pretty intense moment when it approached. But it's been wonderfully productive. And my deities, mostly, they don't so much, you know, it's not like you're, you know, um, in Christianity, pray to your God and, you know, things happening uh a lot of it is like you need to go do this okay you need to do that a lot of it is giving me the confidence to get up and go do what i need to do 
even my divination. I work with tarot decks a lot. I Did love you? tarot. Jeff, I think you said you like tarot. I collect them. I love them, yeah. Oh, I do too, man. I have so many. more than a dozen different tarot decks. And I work with two specific ones. One that combines demons with the tarot, that the Goetia um, tarot, and another one. And recently I've been developing a website and I couldn't get it to work. I had a great web designer who designed it for me, but I couldn't get it to load. I could not get it to be viewed. And I kept hammering at it, hammering at it. You know, this old Texas mule here kept uh, trying to work on it. My wife said, you need to call somebody. You need to call a web designer. I will, I will, I will. I kept hammering at it. So I did a throw spread and the two two of the cards came up were gifting cards. Okay, which one I think is the six of pentacles. And I can't think of what the other gift card is. And the, the first one was when I got help before and I knew what it was saying, you need to get help now. Again, same thing my wife was saying. But guess what I did? I ignored it. I kept trying to fix the website myself. And then next thing I knew, I got an email from the web designer saying, hey, buddy, just checking in on you. I noticed the website's not up and going. You need any help? And he had it up and going in like less than 15 minutes. Nice. He had it up and going. The card said either, either it said you will get help or you need to seek out and suck it up and go get help, which I, like an idiot, ignored. <clears throat> and um, so, yeah, that's one of those hmm, makes you, things that makes you go hmm. So that Goetia Tarot, which I've probably mutilated that word, what one is that? You need to know what the it exact is name Goetia, is. Goetia Tarot of Darkness oh is gosh. the name of it. I know I'm looking at one. This dude, uh, I think Travis McHenry did a Vlad the Impaler tarot. That's awesome. If you haven't seen it, it's a trip. It's really good, but it's creepy for sure. <laughs> but uh, it's like wood glyph pictures of him. And it's, you know, the one where he's at the table and everything. It's called Vlad Dracula tarot by Travis McHenry. But he has another one I'm looking at that kind of creeps me out. I want it, but I probably should never buy it. It's called a cult tarot, and it has like all those crazy names of that i would be worried to say of the, the demons <laughs> or whatever in it but occult tarot that's uh -huh. a good one but if you look up that vlad dracula on uh amazon and click his name you'll see all this stuff but he's got some pretty interesting i backed that that dracula tarot on a kickstarter when it happened but oh, it's cool. really good it's it's, it's creepy too, but it's like his whole story. Like it's not, there's not really fantasy. I don't think in it. It's mostly the historical, you know, story of Vlad through a tarot. So yeah. it's definitely a trip. Uh, so what are you doing on Halloween night? <laughs> I'll probably be uh, buried in my, uh, in my, what I call my sanctum. I'll probably be in there both tonight. Uh, San Wayne. It's, a powerful night you know it's when the veil between the different realms the different worlds is thin and that's a great night for magic 
and um, haven't yet put together what I'm going to do, what kind of rituals, but I'll probably spend lots of time in there. And when I'm not, I'll probably be out watching like a old universal monster movie or something like that. You know, yeah, you got Frankenstein. I always have to do some horror movies, of course, and there's a bunch of different ones for sure right now. I want to see the Hellraiser one. I haven't seen that. The new one. I've uh, been watching an interview of the vampire that t the TV series. Uh, there's different. I'd like to see Terrifier too, really bad. You know, with the clown that hacks people up by uh, a friend of mine, David Howard Thornton. He's on my uh, Facebook, but he plays that clown Terrifier. The second one's coming out. Uh, there's some others, some old ones. I'm getting some old ones for sure. There's mm -hmm. one crazy one I really want to see called Glorious about a, a glory hole in a, a, a restroom and it's got an eldritch deity, HP Lovecraftian god behind it. But the thing that's so interesting about that is the dude that plays in it. Let, let me get his name. He's like won an Academy Award. He's the, the, the elder god. Uh, where is his name? J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's on Shutter, but that's one I want to see yeah. for October for sure. And uh, so it's definitely uh, fascinating. So I guess I have to ask my. I, I've had people on from Church of Satan, Corvus Nocturnum, and some different people. I've had uh, right. Father Sebastian on uh, from oh, the Vampire yeah. Movement and things like that. But a lot of times I find myself slipping into this weird. Geraldo Rivero kind of role with these these kind of <laughs> interviews. <laughs> so what do you not to get too complex, but when it comes to Christ, do you think there's some truth in that, or do you hiss at it? Do you think it's a made-up story that they stole from other oh, brother, belief systems? Belief. Uh oh, an echo. Echo, echo, it's, echo. It's Jesus. You're getting in trouble, man. You, you, you say, <laughs> Jeffrey, you shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> uh, well, you know, good old Jesus was a, was a very good man. Um, I, I mentioned briefly about him, and, you know, I'm going to go back to the book. I uh, mentioned briefly about him in the back. I do a brief biography of him and what we, you know, the historical Jesus and what one of the theories are, which is that he may have been a, and that there were a lot of magic users at the time running around Israel. And many of them learned how to do magic in Egypt. He may have been one. Uh, in fact, the, Critics of early Christianity said, hey, you're just following a, a magic user, a sorcerer. And by the way, they were pretty much considered, you know, like, you know, charlatans at the time, many of them, uh, by the uh, establishment. Uh, in fact, magic books were actually illegal in most of the empire long before Christianity. Uh, one, because if it was real, they were dangerous. If to the, you know, you don't want somebody doing a spell to dispose the emperor, right? So if it's real, it's dangerous. If it's not real, it's also dangerous because they're ripping people off, you know, like fake psychics. Uh, and that's how they kind of viewed magic users. So they accused Christians of following a magic user. And Christians came back and said, no, 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 no. It's, it's all about prophecy. The, the, this, all the healing he does is secondary. Um, so my view, 
One, I think he was a good man. He taught good ethics, good, solid ethics. Uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You're not going to go wrong with that as a rule. You know, love others as you love yourself. Hey, I'm all into that. You know, uh, that's good stuff. And you're not going to go wrong following those precepts. Uh, did he get a, a raw deal from the authorities? Sounds like it. Definitely. Was he wrongly executed? Sounds like it. Um, it. I'll leave it to, you know, did he rise from the grave? I don't know. You know, uh, there's a lot of power. If he was a really a powerful magician, it's you know, hey, that was one powerful dude right there. Uh, no, I don't know. And do I, is he part of my pantheon? No. Uh, do I follow Yahweh? No, I respect all gods just because they deserve respect. Everybody deserves respect unless they do something to lose it, in my opinion. So, you know, I'm not going to this Yahweh and Yahweh or the highway, <laughs> but no, we've had Stephen Yahweh. Flowers on and he's brought up some interesting things saying like Yahweh's Thor or something like that, wasn't it? Wham or something like Yahweh Thor, like those weird connections where they're like similar deity connections and stuff. Yeah, he said something to that effect. I, you know, I didn't say anything because I disagreed, but whatever. Yeah. You know, I, European I, I do not care. <laughs> it's just weird how people care. think it's some of them are the same or whatever. That's you know, yeah. I, I don't know. Different different well, points of view. Yahweh was an ancient god. Uh he was related to El. Uh he was part of the Canaanite pantheon. Uh he had his following. He some older myth, he had a he had a mistress. Uh, he was one of many. Uh, there's lots of controversies about that. Do I believe that he was that he is the one true God? That's not my faith. Uh, is he a God among millions? Yeah. Um, he's probably better than most of his followers, in my opinion. I think most of them disrespect their own deity. But we're not getting to politics right now. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, so that's my view on that. Well, definitely. Thanks for sharing. And one thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, chapter 16, spirituality and the dark allure. What do you mean by the dark allure? For some reason, it reminds me of Interview the Vampire, the dark gifts, <laughs> the dark allure. Well, you know, when you talk about, oh, I love horror movies. You know, hey, I want to see. I have Shudder, you say, right? Good, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you talk about, um, you know, Hellraiser and all these other shows. And that's a form of dark allure. It's a, an attraction to dark things. It could be dark aesthetics. I have a real passion for dark aesthetics. I like dark clothing. I wear black most of the time. Not just because I'm a Johnny Cash fan. Uh, I like what's called dark deco, which can 
merges jazz age style aesthetics with dark um, colors. Um, so there's goths have a dark allure. They like dark things. They wear funeral style clothing. Um, so when I talk about dark allure, that's something that's very much a part of a lot of dark pagans. Why that is, I give some possibilities, possible explanations in the book. I talk about uh, some of it might be shadow work, the merging of the shadow with their conscious mind. Um, but don't think that dark aesthetic or dark allure is negative. It's not necessarily negative. It's just a preference for the darker aesthetics, the darker side of things. You said dark, dark deco jazz. <laughs> um, or is that? Did I, I hear that right? I pulled it up, and there's like weird videos beyond the ghost and all this stuff. Archie, yeah. is that like like music? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Can you still hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I apologize. One of my one of my earpieces fell out, and it's somewhere in the mess on my floor. Uh -oh. uh, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Um, I mentioned Dark Deco. You like Art Deco, you know, which is jazz age style artwork and music. Okay. Dark Deco blends, you could say, goth with that to create a new look. It's not big, it's not common, it's part of the uh, uh, diesel punk movement. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that explains it. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, definitely. And uh, yeah, Dark Allure, I get it. You know, I collect weird horror toys. Like I have Nosferatu's that I have, like figures that are hard to get and stuff like that of Nosferatu and some Vlad ones that are hard to get. There's some pretty cool, weird, weird Vlad ones, uh, Vlad the Impaler ones. And uh, so what is the uh, final scenario of all this? Are you ushering in Ragnarok? I mean, what what's happening? What what is the is there a final stage? What's the end end result? There is no final stage, man. The you know the road goes on forever and the party never ends. Infinity, uh, baby. Infinity <laughs> and beyond. So, you know, you never stop growing. You, 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 when you stop growing is the day you die. At least physically. Okay. You may grow on another plane of existence, but you, you know, so it's always growth. It, you're never done. There is no ending to it. This is the beginning of growth. Not the, there's no end game on this. Definitely. Well, uh, we've done about an hour and 30. So, I mean, do you want to close out or you want to keep going? How are you feeling? It's up to you, really. We, we end at five till. Well, you know, um, I'm cool. This has been fun. Well, uh, do you need to get your headset, your headphone real <laughs> quick? If you, if you do it, do it real quick if you want. And we'll just kind of like, 
We'll sing Kumbaya. Oh. I'm kidding. <laughs> Kumbaya. Oh, yeah, man. That's right. It's a vampire. <laughs> People have called me a vampire since high school. I, I went through testicular cancer at 17, which really sucks. Woke up. We took a nut, and you have to go through chemo. I cried, and I got I, I, I was in the comic books. I read it. I was interview the vampire books, and I escaped into all that stuff. When I came back to school... People called me a Satanist. They called me a devil worshiper. I was pale and bald. I wore black. And I wasn't really trying to go for that effect. I just, I was going through chemo, man. If that ain't goth, if that ain't suffering, I don't know what is. That's kind of like a forced goth. But uh, I went back and people, I mean, I even had people make fun of me, said I had AIDS while I was gone. You know, it's bullies. They kind of went away, though, as I got scarier looking. So, uh, <laughs> they don't mess with you as much when you start, you know, getting scared. And then part of me probably did that as a self-defense kind of thing, too. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a dark self-defense shield. But then, of course, my dad passed away after that. And I started to have all these crazy experiences from UFO to ghost to seeing weird beings of light. And that's why we do the show. That's why we've been doing it. And I always try to make the uh, Halloween month extraordinary that's why i was glad to have you on for sure with my lineup and it's definitely definitely fit fitting <laughs> for sure no doubt about it and uh so i mean what's is this your first book or have you had other books i mean what what's the your background this, with other books is it your this first is my, this is my first uh i tell you what for any aspiring authors i have to give a shout out to Llewellyn. They're, uh, they're fantastic to work with. They have made this so much easier. And then they give real feedback. They don't pull any punches. You get a list of, hey, we need you to look over this for us, please. You know, and this, this part doesn't make sense. Could you explain that? And it's like, Ugh, okay. Uh, you know, you think you have this great thing. And Llewellyn says, this is good stuff. But let's make it better. Let's take it up a notch. And uh, they're very supportive. So I can't praise Llewellyn enough. On, uh, but yes, yeah, my first book. I'm researching and working to on a follow-up. I've got other projects. A lot of irons in the fire right now. Uh, nice. Including a hopefully in another year or two, a follow-up book. Cool. Well, keep us in the loop for sure so we can get you on again. I'm enjoying it. And let me, I got a Lou Ellen story. The first time, I don't know if I've ever told this story. It's not that long, but I'll, I'll try to tell it quick. The first time I came across a Lou Ellen book was that blue Raymond Buckland big witchcraft book oh, in yeah. high school. Uncle Bucky. Yeah. Yes. And bullies, I had this bully at school that was crazy. Not going to say his name. Had pictures of Hitler in his locker. Oh, and he no. told me if I didn't meet him at Wild Turkey Circle, he would jump me every day. And I think it was called some girl's house I went to or something. And he, I guess, liked her. I don't know. I didn't know what the hell. He kept calling me fat and stuff. I went through all that in school. But anyway... I remember that book 
and I'm not someone that does spells all the time. I do like creative visualization with shamanism and stuff. But the first time I ever did a spell, I've drawn like glyphs and weird stuff, but I'm not someone that does a lot of spells. But the first one I know I ever did, excuse me, got a saliva situation. The first one I ever did was a spell from that book. It was a, a glass jar with nails and oh. urine and burying it. And yeah. I did that spell. And I met that guy at Wild Turkey Circle, and he was beating rocks on his head and acting like he's on speed or something. <laughs> it just cracks me like up. Dirt, dirt rocks. And there was hundreds of people around, and I wasn't someone that got in fights. I didn't. I mostly got my butt kicked at school and then went home. My dad kicked my butt because he was abusive, and, you know, he kicked my butt for getting beat up. If I got beat up, it was just crazy regardless. But anyway, me and that dude got in a fight. And I remember bleeding everywhere and he, I messed him up some and he bit a part of, it's not really noticeable now, but he actually bit through my shirt, a part of my nipple off. And I remember the police coming in a helicopter and I left in a car that was everybody called the Batmobile. And I remember Guns N' Roses playing and blood everywhere. And it was horrible, and I couldn't believe I went there anyway. Like That was not wow. something I would normally do to go fight someone. It's like some stupid, like a junior high, what's that movie, 3 O'Clock High, that old movie with a bully in school and everything. But anyway, I did that spell. I went to work at Con Air where my dad worked. He was a supervisor there. People call him Job of the Hut. And uh, there was actually a weird skinhead there that hated my dad. And I hung out with him, and he had weird Nazi stuff in his house, and that was creepy. And uh, later, that guy found me at a bar and said, you know what? When I first saw you, I was going to beat you up because of your dad. And he goes, but I decided not to. I was like, well, that's good, because <laughs> he would have beat my ass. <laughs> but, but anyway, that same dude that attacked me came to that place of work, asked forgiveness, and said, apologized, and apparently his car got in a wreck, and he knocked the girl up, he went to jail, he fell through a plate glass window, and all this bad stuff happened to him. Uh, he didn't die or anything, he was obviously, later I found out, my dad's dead now, but that possibly my dad ha took the lug nuts off his car. My dad was that crazy. Wow. But uh, he was very scary. But this was a long time ago. It was in my 20s, you know. But anyway, that guy came and asked forgiveness. And that was the first Llewellyn weird. That's a weird Llewellyn story. Isn't it? that's, that's pretty. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. but, but that was that's that amazing. boy. I wonder sometimes if that jar still buried there in the backyard of that well, house. You know, but, what you made was called a witch's bottle. And they Just found cool. those going all the way back to the, I don't know, help me out here, 17th, 18th century and so forth that we, they found them at most. Uh, so what you did was very classic, classic magic, sorcery, uh, witchcraft, whatever term you want to use. I prefer sorcery, uh, but that's just me. No big deal. Witch's bottle. So Witch's people bottle. that one since the oldie goldie days. Yeah, it's yeah. urine and ales and clippings and you know, the whole bunch of stuff. And then you bury it. And yeah, Bucky's big blue book, uh, Uncle Bucky is a classic. And I don't, I think 
most of us probably got shot in Uncle Bucky. That was the first one I remember. That was a trip for sure. What were some other influences that of like people like him, obviously, but who were some other ones as you were growing up through this stuff? Uh, Isaac Bonowitz uh, was probably influence for me. Isaac Donowitz? Bonowitz or Bonowitz. I knew him. You knew Isaac? I knew Isaac Bonowitz. Oh my God! I knew Isaac. I knew Isaac. I also, oh I, also I also knew um, Morning Glory Zell. If you yeah, remember, you know her. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm like from old old time. You know, I I was I was carting Starhawk around from the airport in Kansas City before she was a big deal. <laughs> Starhawk, she's amazing. She is amazing. Ava is amazing. Uh, but Isaac, Isaac got me really on the path. I, here's the story for Isaac and me. Uh, I'm in high school, so you know I'm I'm a nerd, so I'm hanging out in the library, right? And I find a his book, Real Magic in my high school library in the 70s. I think they thought it was a book about stage magic, what I think they did. Because I can't imagine a high school in Texas in 1970 <laughs> knowingly having a book on uh, psychics and magic like his. And that really influenced me greatly probably more than uncle bucky cool. uh when it came to uh everything we're talking about here uh my whole way of looking at magic my whole way of looking at this everything the way this book is written was directly influenced by isaac bonowitz or bonowitz I found his Druidism book and saved the cover. That looked pretty interesting. An essential oh. guide to Druidism. Yeah. Yeah. His, I have, I think I have all of his books. I have everything. Authentic thaumaturgy. I have real energy. Uh, Saw that one. That sounds a real energy. That sounds interesting. Yeah. That's a good book. That's one of his last right before he passed. Wow, I'll have to check that out. No, he wrote it with someone else, too. Phaedra. Yeah. Let's see if that one's on eBay. I, I follow her on Facebook. Yeah, there it is on eBay. I'll have to wish list it. Oh, yeah. It, it's a good, good, oh. solid book. All his work was good. I'll check him out for sure. Amazing. Anyone else come to mind or... Those two. I mean, yeah. Anton LeBay, when I went through my Satanist phase back in high school, <laughs> you know, uh, he's uh, he, he, he was a character. I'm not going to critique the man. He was what he was. And uh, I don't consider myself a Satanist. Don't get me wrong. I've worked with satanic energies and Satan. Uh, it's not evil. No, it's not evil. Um, but it's uh, I'm I'm I've moved long beyond his little 
black book. Uh, so I guess uh, probably though the two biggest influences was Isaac and uh, Uncle Bucky. I've had his little book and read it before a long time ago, and we've done shows. I want there was a guy that just wrote a book about him trying to get him on. He's been on before, but he's in Sweden, so it's kind of a pain in the butt. I couldn't get him. He did a whole book from Inner Traditions, Auto something something. I'd have to look it up, but uh, um, definitely interesting. But you should check out that Vlad Dracula tarot. You'd like it. Yeah, yeah, I will. Keep an eye out, Travis McHenry. And uh, so, what what from your book? Is there anything particular that you would like to discuss from your book that comes to mind? Oh wow. Um. I guess the biggest thing is I want to I would emphasize that it's again that I know we talk a lot here about magic and demonology, but really when it gets down to it, it's about cultivating the self. And I know that may sound boring to some people. I um, I just guess I shouldn't undersell it. They probably tell me I'm underselling it. Um. But the greatest challenge we have is ourselves. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Green Day. And in yeah. one of the songs in 21st century break in 21st century breakdown is uh, uh, you are your own worst enemy, know your enemy. And that is very true. You are your own worst enemy, but you need to know your enemy. And in this course of doing so, make yourself no longer your enemy. Uh, you need to, you know, self-acceptance. It's not the same as saying, hey, I can do whatever and just, hey, I'm okay. No, it don't mean that. You know, taking responsibility for yourself. That was mentioned earlier. Uh, taking responsibility for yourself. Uh, the existential philosopher Sartre said that if you blame others for your problem or you blame bad luck or whatever, that's bad faith. You know, you take responsibility for yourself. I mentioned that if your magic fails, don't go blaming some god somewhere. What did you do that made it, made it fail? You know, did you do a spell thinking you were going to win the lottery? Good luck on that. <laughs> Uh, or did you just call it in? It was take responsibility for yourself. That, that doesn't mean beating yourself up. It means picking yourself up, okay? Try to make what's right wrong. If you hurt somebody, try to make it right, and then move along and do better next time. Um, so dark paganism is more about Understanding yourself, self-control, <clears throat> um, autonomy, breaking the chain that control us, like mass media, you know, who would have us buy stuff that we don't need, creating false wants, and be comfortable in your own skin. Be ready to grow, though. Physically and spiritually to higher, higher levels. That's what those pages are really about. And that's the bulk of my book. On that. 
I know with uh, Satanism, isn't it? Ego is kind of like it's, it's kind of self gratification is kind of embraced, but with the left hand path or dark paganism, what what is how does the ego fit in? Ego is not a bad thing because you know there was a there's a saying that nothing human is alien to me. So ego is part of who you are. So how can it be bad? Okay, uh, but you got to also understand that it has its limitations. It's going to want to dominate. It's going to want to make you think ego is everything. It's not. It's the tip of the iceberg. The majority of who you are is buried under the surface, like the shadow, which is the <clears throat> dark side of your personality that you've kind of squashed down and you kind of bury inside yourself. And if you ignore it, that's where you get things like Gordian slips, Okay, uh, because it makes itself known. So the ego is, in answer to your question, it's important. It's just not everything. <clears throat> um, we there's no bad, evil part of you uh, that wouldn't make any sense. Because in my book, I mentioned that you are by nature divine as an entity. You are what the Gnostics called a divine spark, a spark of the divine. Now, let's not get big-headed on that, okay? Some people let that go to their heads. I'm a god, they say. Well, you're a minor little god. You're one of billions of gods on this planet. So don't get big-headed with that. But um, you are a divine being. So to say that, hey, this shadow side of me is evil, no. This ego is bad, you know, no, the ego is not bad, the subconscious is not bad. You learn to accept that, integrate that into yourself, doesn't mean always act on it, integrate it, you'll find out that you can do a lot more than what you thought you could do. I used to, I used to have massive panic attacks. I couldn't go anywhere. I had to stay home. I'd wake up in the night just in terror. And um, those have really died down a lot. Don't mean they've gone away. Uh, but a lot of it has been as I worked with myself, my shadow self, come to understand who I am. My nature, a lot of that's gone away. No, and I, I'm not one of the ones that sound like one of the self-help gurus, you know, on some infotainment program at 2 a.m. on paid programming. I don't want to sound like that because it's that. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, but there is a betterment of the self that's possible. It's definitely uh, fascinating for sure, and uh, definitely always more to learn, no doubt about it. And uh, so, when you say you're going to do a follow up, is, is it going to be uh, what is there? What are some other things that you're wanting to get into? I mean, you don't have to, of course, reveal everything about your book, but <laughs> to be announced, watch this spot. Uh, well. 
I'm exploring a lot of what you brought up at the beginning. It's going to be a lot more hands-on than this book. This book was, it is very much the philosophy of dark paganism. It's the root base from which to build. The My next step is to much more of a sorcery-based book of how to apply sorcery and magic to some of the goals of this book. And it does get involved. We talked about Tarot, so it gets involved in divination, um, necromancy, Ooh. energy work, um, both the light and the dark aspects of magic. The you know, they use those terms that we like to throw about. It's oh. just in the very early phase. This other book took several years to write. And this next book is, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if it's going to take two, several years, but, you know, it's in its early stages. That's my hope. Hold the hearse necromancy. What can you tell us about that? That's something that's great for Halloween. Great for Halloween. Are you, are you, a, Everybody necro, thinks are you a necromancer? Well, I mean, I've like worked Judas with Priest. Have you heard them do Judas Priest song that came out not too long ago? Necromancer. <laughs> Well, good. you know, that necromancer has the reputation for somebody that goes out to the cemetery and, you know, in the dark robe and, and you know, raises the dead up from the grave, you know, and uses them for whatever. No, nah. necromancy mostly means working with the uh, with spirits, uh, those who are deceased, those who are dead, working with death energy. Because, uh, you know, it comes for us all. Okay, uh, death comes for us all. We can be all love and light and positive, but you know, there's going to be a day when we die. And necromancy is a lot of working with uh, death spirits and coming to grips and working with the deceased. Um, so it's not as, you know, like, pop culture would have you think it to be. It, is it like has a spookier a, name to it. Is it like Birkin hair? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Digging up bodies like Frankenstein. Like Frankenstein. <laughs> it's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Some necromancy tonight. Um, one thing I'd like to talk about is a, I mentioned earlier about a website that I was working on. And how my fantastic web designer uh, came in like a, you know, shining knight on horseback and saved my bacon on this website. Um, I'd like to mention that for just a moment. It's called Shadow of the Black Rose. And it's, uh, I mean, it just went live. I'm not sure if you could even Google it. Um, the website is www.shadowblackrose.com. Um, the, what we do on the site is that we showcase dark pagan, dark magic, and dark subculture creators. Um, okay, I found it. The goth bands. And, um, Looks like, nice. Oh, good. I'm glad you really find it. It's really nice. Um, 
for example, I'm real proud to that we have an interview, 13 questions, with the Marquis of Bodville, which is a popular band here in the North Texas area. Um, so our goal is to promote independent authors, dark subculture, uh, dark pagan writers. Um, we just really went live just earlier this week. And um, that's kind of the next step right now. That's really tying up my time on a lot of stuff. I'm checking out that marquee band. That sounds pretty. Uh-oh, their video played while I was checking it out. But I'll have to save that to check out. That sounds looks pretty interesting. Yeah, they're great. They're great. I've been uh, friends with the with the uh, lead, Toby, uh, for a long time. Um, and great band, great music. So Check it out. pretty excited about that. Um so anyway, as I thought I'd uh, bring that up. Definitely, definitely. Uh, the site looks very, very well made. Very nice. I saved it so I can check it out later. Yeah, if and, I could put uh, a plug in for the web designer is Ironstone Impressions. So if you're going to have a site, I think he works a lot with Wix. Um, if you're going to have a set design, he's extraordinary. Uh, he, I've made some websites before, but he did. It was like what he did was like nothing I could have ever done. And he, like I said, saved my bacon. He came in like a night on shining armor, uh, riding down the hill. And, uh, hey, you're not working. Uh, let me help you. And it's he had me up. Very nice. Very nice. I'll have to look at it more and then do a rehaul on mine one year. So have to check it out, maybe. Yeah. But yeah. We got about uh, five minutes, and it's been amazing having you on. We really appreciate it. Lord, I apologize, but not kidding. But uh, great having you on. I, I've, it's been great for Halloween. I mean, it mm -hmm. definitely really is. Uh, definitely, I would like to get you on again, and we appreciate it so much. What are some other – other? is there any other links you'd like to give out or anything? Yeah, there's uh – one or two is one other I'd like to give if that's okay. Sure, please. It is my blog for my personal blog, which is titled Going Dark. You can see the you can get the why as why. Yeah, going dark. And the actual um the URL is darkfrader.blogspot.com helps if I could talk. Darkfreighter.blogspot.com. Um, sensitive content warning before I went there. I yeah. agree. Sensitive content warning. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. So, yeah, you know, you, you the button. don't blame me if it... Up you know it's going to be good. Don't blame me. <laughs> you you sure. So um, what other any other horror movies you're gonna watch for sure? Halloween. I, I got that one uh for me and my daughter, and so Christina and me can watch it. Uh the Halloween tree by Ray Bradbury. It's a cartoon, oh, but I also yeah. got the books. The books. That's one to watch on Halloween. I usually watch that trigger treat sometimes too, the one with the little 
you know, the little stories and stuff. I love those. But is there anything that you got to watch for Halloween? Well, I'm definitely, I haven't yet seen any of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Oh, that's Gilmore de Toro. I got to see that. Yeah. Start it yet? I'm a big fan. I'm I don't know if it started fan. yet. Has it? Has it? I got to see that for sure. Yeah, I'm a big fan of everything he does. And yeah, so I, I just can't wait to see what he does here. I mean, I've already, you know, I'm kind of like one of those people where Halloween is a lifestyle. <laughs> you know, it's just a, October and Halloween itself is just a celebration of the lifestyle. Um, on movies like that, I think I'll probably go back and watch Rom Stroker's that's Dracula. a good one. Yeah, I love that one. I've seen that. that. Is so good. Uh, that's probably going to be the big one. And I'll probably I'll dive back into my classic. My, I like German Expressionism and the old Universal Monster movies. Yeah. So, you know, Frankenstein. Like Nosferatu. Not, oh, Nosferatu. I heard they're making the. Yes, Robert, Robert Eggers. The, I think that's how you say his name. He did The Witch and The Lighthouse. He's remaking Nosferatu with Skarsgård, the It Clown guy. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Skarsgård's also doing a new Crow. Hopefully that doesn't suck. But that guy's a pretty good actor, so I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Oh, Batman, you're talking about oh the Crow originally was so good. It was amazing. And then the yeah. fact that the creepy death thing really happened makes it even creepy, amazing. Oh, but uh, do you ever see Shadow of the Vampire with John Malkovich and William Defoe? That's I one love that's, Shadow of the Vampire. That's beautiful. I yeah. love it. That's one of my uh, top three favorite vampire movies. That one is Shadow. so good. That one. You ever see that one, William? Shadow of the Vampire with De Malkovich and Defoe? Where. Uh, Malkovich plays Marneau, and they're really shooting Nosferatu, and Defoe is Nosferatu. If you've never seen it, definitely see no, that. No, I've not seen it. It's amazing. Like it'll, 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 it's really good. It's about the filming of Nosferatu, and he hires a real vampire who gets the chick at the end for doing it. And of course, it's Defoe going crazy eating everybody. But it's not like your normal movie. It's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. And actually, it makes you think at the end, who really is the monster? Yeah, in they're all on opium. Oh, Malkovich is tripping out on opium and stuff. They, yeah, it just makes you wonder who's the monster here, and uh, I think it's genius. The guy that did that did this other weird movie called Begotten and Suspect Zero. Marhaj, he did Shadow the Vampire, but that Begotten is like decaying dead things and just weird, weird, real footage that's just crazy weird. But um, we got to close out. It's been good, man. We appreciate it so much. Appreciate and, uh, it. Had we'll a great in touch time. and get you back. And we like it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Had a good time. Bye, y'all. Have a good night. Take care. All right. Thanks, Wham. Thanks, Freighter, Tenebris. And uh, oh, yeah, Wednesday, that new Tim Burton uh, starts in November, the TV series on Netflix. They finally announced who's going to play Uncle Fester. It's Fred Armisen. Oh. And. Uh, he was in Portlandia. I've never seen it. I've heard of it, but there's uh, there's pictures of the new Uncle Fester, so I'm looking forward to that. That's in November, the new Wednesday uh, oh, show. Oh, 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 and season three of Netflix's reboot of Unsolved Mysteries oh. starts, starts nice. Tuesday, 
it's uh, it's they've got two seasons so far. This is the beginning of season three. It's really worth watching. I'll check it out. Okay. I've really seen the first watching. one. I've seen the first. Yeah, one. The, 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 it's uh, it's it's they don't have a narrator. What they do is they just let the people tell their stories. But they but they have check retained the format and and that incredible music at the beginning. Yes. Mm -hmm. So. All right. I'll check that out for sure. Thanks, Freighter. Thanks, Wham. Everybody have a good weekend. Stay out of trouble. We'll keep Bye. on washing with the apocalypse. <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night, y'all. Take care.